The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Howdy, hey, howdy. <laughs> what happened to Greetings, Greetings? Well, it'll be next show. <laughs> I, I thought that was your thang. Well, it is. I just, I like variety, too. <laughs> Speaking of your thang, how's your thang doing? Well, I'm in the last uh, couple weeks of uh, tech edits. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, two, well, three chapters left to go, but we made a couple of important discoveries in the last couple of weeks, which kind of, uh, changes the equations that we use for calculating alkalinity additions to the mash. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I've, you know, I've got to get AJ to explain them to me so I can in turn understand them and explain them to everybody else. So you discovered you discovered water. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, um, you discovered something about water other than it's wet. We we, we didn't experiment. AJ did an experiment, mm-hmm. and uh, looking at what you know what we know about um, calcium precipitation reactions in the mash, mm-hmm. uh, we determined that twenty equivalents of calcium will go, of calcium carbonate will go into the mash. Um, but only six equivalents of alkalinity are realized in the mash because the calcium uh, precipitates apatite, which is the calcium phosphate compound, and that releases a couple of hydrogen ions per equivalent. So uh, when all is said and done, you go from, uh, you basically get a a one-third efficacy of your chalk additions to the mash. And what was the assumption before? Well, the assumption before is that, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the that residual thing? alkalinity was 
I guess that that everything that everything in the mash would kind of hold and wait until you made your your alkalinity addition, and then you'd say, okay, now I've got a total of you know 120 parts per million of calcium carbonate as alkal- residual alkalinity, uh-huh. and now mash you can convert that and do what you do, and this will be your mash pH. Um, it's <clears throat> of course it doesn't wait for you to make additions; it uh-huh. goes ahead and starts drifting towards equilibrium sure and uh well, now, and it gets more complicated from there well see that that is why i mean we're diving right into the beer information here uh but <laughs> that is why when when we do this i say uh, uh why don't you try a pitcher full of chalk when we throw in a pitcher of chalk uh-huh. maybe we'll go and eh, maybe it's a pound two pounds let's try a pound two pounds <laughs> and then next time we go, yeah, I might need a little more chalk. All right, let's try uh, two and a half pounds, or let's try a pitcher and a half. And we just yeah. go You're with like that. You're like living on the edge. We just start with a, a, a quantity that we think uh-huh. is about right, based yeah. on experience. And then we adjust from there. Because yeah. really all that matters in the end is not what's our parts per million, but... Uh, you know what result are we getting does it need more chalk or less chalk and we do that based off of taste right and really that's that's what colin has brought to the book he's brought you know the practical side Mm -hmm. um which is great but you know from me being a you know um what what, i forget what the exact pejorative term is but you know some kind of engineer (laughs) that oh you're uh, some kind of engineer you are Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take we want to be able to predict what we're doing, you know, and have an understanding of how it works. So that's what well, we're fortune to, tellers also you know, like to pin down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. But a couple of weeks and we should be done. Really? Yeah. Are we done with your pamphlet? <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a pretty darn good book now. Uh, there you go. I I knew you had it in you. Thanks. It yeah. just had to be beaten out over time. Yeah, yeah. I think I uh, I'm not sure if Christy has any hair left at this point, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we're we're almost finished. <laughs> <laughs> How many times has she heard that? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> over the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> See that's that's the the life of uh, you know your your uh, publisher your editor you know they yeah. they end up uh, suffering. Um, yeah. It's life in the big city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christy sent some good pictures of you and I at the. Uh, oh yeah, those, great. <laughs> <laughs> those are pretty good. I like those. Yeah, I was thinking. I, I don't remember that one. But yeah, I don't okay. remember you trying to kiss me. Uh, yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> just, speaking oh. of speaking of kissing somebody, how about that John Blickman, huh? Hey, now there's a man that deserves one. <laughs> yeah. One, maybe two, huh? yeah. or several. I don't know. Next time you see him, well, the, never, uh, I know sisters. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah all all you folks uh, coming out to Philadelphia for the uh, Humber's Conference, make sure you stop by and see uh, the Blickman booth and uh, check out all the new stuff that they'll have. I'm sure they got something new. That is, you know, super top secret that they're yeah. going to have there at the at the conference. 
and you go by there you get a touchy feely on a on a bunch of uh, great equipment and you can touchy feely on uh, john blickman himself uh mm-hmm. he's always there and uh a heck of a guy. Uh, you know, they've been sponsoring this show for pretty much since the beginning and uh, yeah. doing a great job of it, too, uh, keeping us uh, keeping us on the air. And uh, I think that uh, they are very deserving of your attention as a, a home brewer. If you're interested in any kind of great equipment, they're, they're constantly innovating and coming up with new ways of doing things. It's really uh, very cool. And, yeah. uh, and innovating your brew day, yeah, innovating your homebrew, yes, innovating your brew day. And uh, if you're interested in getting uh, started as a, a nano brewer, a lot of a lot of homebrewers they're making the jump to the pro side, and they they want to start out with a nano. Blickman's got that covered too. They've got mm-hmm. uh, stuff so you can uh, work uh, a couple barrels at a time and. Uh, uh, talking with him about it, he's got it kind of set so, like his other equipment, that it can, you can grow with it. You know, that's mm-hmm. one of the things I love about the uh, top tier system. You can start out with smaller kettles, and then when you want to, you know, you're you're making five gallon batches, and then you say, ah, oh, you know, I, I wish I could make more. Uh, you can just move the the uh, like the pot supports out a couple right. of bolts. Pot supports go out, you plop down a, a much bigger kettle on there, and you can go back and forth. You can go big kettle to small kettle. So I thought that that was really cool. That's one of the things. You know, there's things you love about yeah, it, yeah. and there's a lot of great things to love about it, but that's the thing I love most because I'm always about making, you know, a small amount of, you know, small beers. And you want to drink quickly. And right. So you make a small amount of them, so you, you, you drink those. And then the big beers... Like the barley wine, that people think, oh, yeah, you just make a small amount because you don't drink that much. No, 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 no. You want to make as much as you possibly can, a giant volume of it, yeah, so you have some to save over years. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that's really easy on the top-tier system, and uh, one of the things I really love about it. So check it out. Uh, go to BlickmanEngineering.com, Blickman with two N's, and uh, check out all the great gear they have there, and, and make sure to stop by at the... Uh, Homebrews Conference and say uh, say thanks to John for sponsoring the show all these years. Mm-hmm. All right. <sighs> so we had like a show topic, but I I don't know. Maybe we should continue talking about water. I don't know. Uh, you got more um, more tidbits from the book that uh, maybe you wanna you wanna come up with, or do you do you want to go to our standard topic? I think we we started on a pretty nice roll. We, on, we on did, but I think you it'd spent, probably be you good. Shot to... your load already. You got nothing. Is that what you're saying? Um, you're already, I probably should get a couple more ducks in a row before I launch into it. <laughs> yeah, because I would hate—I would hate to have to retract. You know, next week it's like, oh no, AJ told me I got this part wrong. So you know, oh, that's okay. You're used to that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's well, true. Let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, uh, we'll see what you're going to talk about. Maybe you have a little, a few minutes to think about it. Maybe maybe you'll decide differently. I don't know. I'll be just as okay. surprised as the audience will be. All right? <laughs> okay. Back after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. 
the Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like AHA member deals that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more. Zymergy Magazine and Zymergy for tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love, and access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. For nearly 15 years, homebrewers have been served by one place in Michigan where you can buy yourself a serial killer grain mill. Adventures in homebrewing. Did you try all those great Michigan beers at the National Homebrewers Conference in San Diego or Seattle? Adventures in homebrewing delivered. Did you see a great false bottom in your buddy's cooler or brew kettle? Adventures in homebrewing delivered that. And did you see that great custom built brew stand? Yep, Adventures in homebrewing delivered. Since 1999, Adventures in homebrewing in Taylor, Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and online at homebrewing.org has been serving homebrewers across the globe. Check out 
out their innovative 2.5-gallon keg with metal handles, great homebrew kits, and the fully adjustable serial killer grain mill. Visit them in Philly for the 2013 National Homebrewers Conference. Not going to make it? Check out all the fun of adventures in homebrewing at homebrewing.org. For a limited time, coupon code BNETWORK will slam 10% off your order. Bam! Adventures in homebrewing. Join the adventure at the Great Lakes Home for Homebrewing Supplies online at homebrewing.org. And don't forget coupon code BNETWORK for a limited time. Join the adventure today. Ah, Tan, huh? Getting tired of that same old handcrafted beverages day after day? Are you looking for something with more diversity than your normal beer? Fellow BN Army member Michael Fairbrother, owner of Moonlight Meadery, is reviving an entire beverage category. Mead! The meads at Moonlight Meadery are all handcrafted from the finest honey on the market and are perfect for any occasion, like weddings, baby showers, or... Excuse me? Mead is not your average girly drink, mister, and Moonlight Meads can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Football games with the guys. Yeah. Barbecues with the guys. Yeah. Operating power tools with the guys. Yeah. Um, actually, sir, that's really dangerous. Good point, son. Next time you have something to celebrate or are just looking for a new tasting experience, pick up a bottle of mead from Moonlight Meadery. Now in 21 states, making over 60 varieties of mead from dry, semi-sweet to sweet. Break out of that craft beer low. Grab a bottle of Moonlight Mead. Can't find some? Then ask. No, make that demand some. Yeah! Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Uh, John, what are we talking about today? Well, I think we should probably talk about um, Palmer's Intro to Brewing Science Part 1. Okay. Uh, Power's I mean, intro to brewing science. I thought we were going to do uh, like you know three things to. Uh, oh yeah, that's, that's uh, right. Okay, Palmer's three things <laughs> intro to brewing science. Yeah, we oh, do whatever yeah. you want. I'll tell you what. I'll just sit here drink some beer. You tell me when you're ready to take a break, and then uh, and we'll go from there. Ah, we well, talk about no, whatever I was you want. hoping you'd supply the comic relief that's going to be necessary. <laughs> Liven this up. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. Okay. J- Justin had a good idea, and um, and we've totally screwed it up. But that's okay. No, we we we've supplied teasers for future shows. <laughs> that's that's what we've done. Okay. We've, uh, okay. Taking some initiative and uh, you know, kind of working <laughs> taking, our audience. Taking it by the by the short hairs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. But uh, for this one, I think um, we should probably plow ahead and um, okay. Do do a bit, although we may have scared off all the newbies uh, uh, with the previous water stuff. But right, right. Either as it may, um, you really don't care. Yeah, yeah. This is pardon me. Well, they're gonna anyway. So Justin, a good idea. We take a little step back, and um, you know, for the new brewer uh, that is you know discovering this show uh, for the first time, are um, they still listening? You, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, take a step back and look at what I consider to be the three most important things for a new brewer to understand. Uh, the the fundamentals. Yeah, the fundamentals. That's it. And uh, this was, this will, he's envisioning this as a uh, kind of a, um, a series of topics that we would do, a series of shows, the um, beginner ganza, if you will, or... Um, <laughs> 
But um, the one, the three things that uh, we're going to talk about today are sanitation, um, yeast, and temperature. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll you agree that those are three pretty fundamental things that really control the quality of your beer. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, just to get right into it, um, sanitation. Uh, I've, I apologize to all the. the uh, um, experienced brewers out there, but again, sanitation is something that you never, you never take for granted, even mm-hmm. at, even at your level. Isn't that correct? Well, yeah, yeah. I think um, you know, at our level, we're we're constantly freaked out by it. You know, as far as you know, uh, how sure are we something is one hundred percent sanitary? Right. You know, we go to extremes to make sure that. Uh, you know, everything is, you know, flawlessly sanitary. Yeah. And, I mean, I've, in other professional breweries around, such as Firestone, I mean, and Stone and wherever you go, you you see, t- you know, stainless steel tanks mm-hmm. with star sand in them and mm-hmm. parts mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, various fittings and things. I mean, it's it just makes sense to have um, a, a bucket or a tank where you can throw, throw a part in mm-hmm. into a sanitizing solution. And keep it nice and clean and ready to go at a moment's notice. Uh-huh. Or you have a sp- spray bottles of sanitizer handy, uh-huh. so you can quickly, you know, hose down uh-huh. a something that you need to sanitize before it contacts the beer. Well, so uh, you know, going back to the, you know, here's the things to do on your first brew of homebrew. Here's what you should be doing to ensure great homebrew, and one of them is you know sanitization but i think um you know kind of goes hand in hand is things must be clean before you can sanitize so you got the spray bottle of sanitizer um you know uh, but you know how do you make sure things are clean beforehand you know what what's the fundamentals there right well i was going to get into that i mean i wanted to emphasize um first that uh even at the pro level such that you know that you're at i mean sanitation is 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 a fact of life it's got to be done all the time every time um so that's just for emphasis but cleaning you're right you you can't sanitize something that's not clean you've got to have you can't a, sanitize a turd right it's some it's got to be a clean bare surface um so that you can effectively sanitize it so you get a wipe first and then spray the sanitizer. That's right. Yeah. Get rid of any um, excess first. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're using plastic, metal, or what have you, um, you or glass. Um, you, you, sh- you should definitely clean it first. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good cleaners out on the market. Um, if you're a beginning home brewer, um, you can go to the grocery store and buy OxyClean. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use you know, bleach as a, as a cleaner. Mm-hmm. Or um, you know other things. Um, if you get if you go to your homebrew shop, you'll no doubt see products by Five Star. Mm-hmm. Five Star Chemicals has been a right. supplier now of cleaning and sanitizing supplies for the last I don't know, 10, 15 years. Some PBWs, some powdered yeah. brewery wash. Right, um, that's probably the the most common mm-hmm. uh, cleaner that you'll see around is PBW. Well, Very I, effective. I, I, I'd suggest, um, you know, go with what your homebrew shop, your local homebrew shop that, uh, 
you know, you're getting all your whatever they recommend for cleaning. Just right. uh, okay. you know, know that there's cleaning products and there are sanitizing products. They are not the same. They're not interchangeable. There's no one product does all. You need to clean, rinse, and then sanitize. Right. Very good point, Jamil. Um, so let's see other other ways to clean. Um, depends on the equipment, uh, of course. But um, for stainless steel, you can use uh, stainless steel cookware cleanser. Uh, that's very useful for getting any burned off, burned deposits off. Say if you scorch the bottom of your brew pot or something, uh-huh. um, or if if you use uh, a brew pot as a fermenter, some people do. Um, then glass, um, you know, get it, get a carboy brush. So you can get it in there and scrub the walls. Um, and uh, you can let the you, glass is the nice thing about it. You can you know. Let your cleaning solution soak in there for a while to get it uh, loosened up the deposits. Mm-hmm. Um, well, PDW is good for that. And there's other mechanical products. cleaning, scrubbing, and yeah. there's chemical cleaning with a, a solution, temperature, things like that. Right. Yeah, chem- uh, chemical cleaning t- t- tends to be the easiest uh, way mm-hmm. to do it. Well, and, you know, I, I switched over to using those uh, plastic better bottles. Oh yes, uh, get lighter weight. I didn't, you know, worry about uh, breakage. Yeah, and um, those I never mechanically cleaned. I, well, I mean, I would swirl the water in it, you know, for uh-huh. a little bit of agitation. That's a little bit of mechanical uh, cleaning, but I wouldn't scrub it with anything because I didn't want to put any, uh, you know, abrasion Scratches. on the uh, on the plastic. Same thing in a, in a plastic bucket. Uh, when I first started out, I, you know, I got the Scotch Bright pad and I was scrubbing the daylights out of that thing. <laughs> yeah. Then I realized I was putting a lot of just fine scratches into the material. And uh, later on, you know, I went to just using a sponge for my mechanical right. cleaning on the plastic bucket. One of the nice things about plastic buckets is real easy to reach in and, and clean. But I tend to, you know, use a nice soft sponge and, and use that for your mechanical uh, cleaning with some PBW. It comes out real nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This hop, the the hop goo, tends to stick even worse after you've scratched up the inside of the bucket a bit. Um, now, should somebody, when they're first starting out, they got a fresh bucket, should they clean that bucket? Yeah, should they, they should sanitize that they, bucket. Yeah, because uh, chances are there is dust. Um, if it's if the bucket's been sitting in the homebrew shop for any length of time, mm-hmm. uh, chances are it has grain dust on it. And grain Probably dust is a prime too. source of huh. of uh, lactobacillus bacteria, uh-huh. which is you know can make a lovely beer in and of itself, but uh, will tend to sour whatever your beer uh-huh. uh, that you're uh-huh. trying to make. Uh-huh. So yeah, um, you know, and as Jamil says, use a sponge, use a, something nice and soft that won't leave a scratch, and just uh, you know. Um, Dishwashing detergent, you know, you know, an unscented one works well for the initial cleaning. Or if you have something like PBW or OxyClean, you just want to gently clean it. Make sure you get all the dust out, get it dry, um, and uh, and then proceed to sanitize. Uh-huh. Now, there's a lot of different ways to sanitize uh, these materials. You can use the chemical means, like we've been talking about, products such as StarSan. Um, other projects, products by Ecologic, like um, 
was it Be Bright and um, what's the other one? <laughs> I don't know. They use uh, hydrogen peroxide as as a sanitizer. Iota um, four, real common. And, yeah, and you'll you'll that find those well. in mm-hmm. a lot of kits. Uh-huh. Um, and people have had real good success with that. So, oh, yeah. um, Iota4 is another very popular sanitizer, but you do have to be a little more aware of that one when you're using plastic buckets because it tends to stain the plastic. Uh-huh. And uh, if you use too much, which is tempting to a lot of new homebrewers to use more than the recommended amount, uh-huh. um, it stops becoming a no-rinse sanitizer and becomes one that you really should rinse to avoid um, oxidation of the beer by the sanitizer. Right. Make sure you uh, measure all your cleaners and sanitizers and uh, mix to the manufacturer's specified concentrations. Right. They are most effective that way. Adding more does not make it more effective. It can make it less effective. So always follow the instructions and measure to the proper right. concentration. Yep. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, heat. Uh-huh. Heat is, a, is one more. Um, if you um, have to sanitize all your bottles before bottling, um, you can run them through on the heat cycle, the heat drying cycle on dishwasher. Uh, don't use detergent. Um, but just let them, you know, go through a hot rinse and hot dry, and that'll sanitize them if they're providing they're clean. Uh, you probably need to do a, use a bottle brush if they're used bottles with cigarette butts in them. Um, or you can uh, you can put some aluminum foil over the tops of the bottles and put them in the oven and heat sanitize them that way. Yeah, I've, and never, I've never found that those that those methods work very well. I think I think they're they're more cumbersome. Than they are, um, you know, time saving or handy or effective. I think people uh-huh. do that because they're worried that you know they're sanitizers and cleaning. And the only reason the sanitizer wouldn't work is if the bottles are dirty. If you're using right. new bottles, you can just rinse them with you know your sanitizer, Iota Four Star Sand, whatever, and you know it'll work out great. Believe yep. me, there will be nothing in there that survived. It's clean, sanitized. You're ready to bottle. And it's very quick and effective. You can have a big bucket of the stuff, dunk the bottles in, fill them up, drain them out, uh, drain them upside down, and they're good to go. Much right. easier than heat or anything else. If you've got crap in the bottom of the bottles, you know, and you can't scrub it out or soak it out, throw that bottle away and get another bottle. That's our, you know, throw it away, recycle it. Reduce, <laughs> yeah. recycle, reuse. Um you know, because the heat thing and all that, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, 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 you're right. I mean, I, I used to use the dishwasher method a lot myself. Um, but I did have uh, a batch or two that would, I would have, you know, a couple of infected bottles. Uh-huh. Um, that, uh, you know, they'd get pick up some bug and they'd end up getting with, a, you know, Gushner-type infection in them. Um, but... Uh, I think, by and large, most people use the chemical uh, sanitizers these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now we were also going to cover. Uh, we were going to talk about yeast as well yep. as a as an important part of uh, the beginning fundamentals. fundamentals. 
Well, I'll Should we take you, a short break first? Yeah, and one thing I wanted to mention is, um, you know, one of the fundamentals, I think, of being a home brewer, for me, is being a member of the AHA. Ah. I, you know, uh, early on, uh, you know, I found the, the Zymergy magazine. I was interested. I, I signed up for just that. But pretty quickly learned that the AHA does a lot more than, uh, you know, just produce a magazine. There's other benefits, of course. There's, you know, all the pub discount and all that. But, uh, you know, they are, they're fighting to, you know, keep an eye on, uh, you know, homebrew laws and things, things that will affect you and to kind of do battle on your behalf. I mean, you actually have some sort of representation, um, some sort right. of, you know, uh, group uh, looking out for for home brewing as a as a uh, as a passion as a as a pastime, and mm-hmm. I think that that's priceless. I really do. I, I spent oh, yeah. nine years on the governing committee just because I really believed in what they were doing and felt it was worth my time to help uh, further the H the mission of the AHA. So if you get a chance, um, if you're not an AHA member. Go to thebrewingnetwork.com. You can sign up for AHA membership right there. A portion of it goes back to support the AHA, the Brewing Network, and you're doing a lot for homebrewing. If you really like homebrewing, you want to see it as, as your hobby for the rest of your life, sign up for an AHA membership. I think it's well worth it. And Very well. we'll see you all at the uh, the conference in Philadelphia in June. John will be there. I'll be there. We'll have a, yep. have a blast. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about yeast as part of the fundamentals of homebrewing after this. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Hey brewers, it's planting season. Have you ever dreamt of walking through your own hop garden? Well, look no further than Woodburn, Oregon and the Crosby Family Hop Farm. Blake Crosby and his family have been passionately growing hops for five generations. And right now, they're taking orders for 2013 rhizomes for all retail and wholesale customers. The Crosbys know how to grow hops and are here to help you establish your family's very own successful hop garden. In fact, when you plant a hop rhizome from the Crosbys, you're using the same plant your favorite professional brewer bought his hops from. Friendly professional service, fast shipment, and quality hops at competitive prices. The Crosby family brings all of this to you. Call 503-982-5166 or visit bcrosbyhops.com and let Blake Crosby and the Crosby Hop Farm help make your hop garden a reality. bcrosbyhops.com Hops from the Crosby family farm to yours. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. 
More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeasts, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zaynashev and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, Palmer's three fundamentals for uh, a successful brew day. Okay, yeah. Well, these th- these three these okay. three items uh-huh, each uh-huh. you know interplay a lot. Um, yeah, that's why I picked these three. I mean, sanitation. You know, the big deal about sanitation is you only want yeast fermenting your beer. You uh-huh. don't want anything in there but the yeast that you chose. Uh-huh. So, san- good sanitation keeps that you know true. Right. Right. Um, now, the thing about yeast is. Um, you know, yeast, you know, they want to live. Um, they want to reproduce. I want to live. Um, 
Yeah, the beer the beer is just a waste product. They they don't they're not they don't care about making beer. They just want to live and reproduce. Mm-hmm. So you've got to you've got to manage the yeast to make the beer. Um, you've got to keep them under control. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the way we do that is by c- controlling how they grow. Mm-hmm. And that is that's where all the flavors come from. You know, in the beer. The esters, the alcohol, the the carbonation, um, other by other you know fermentation byproducts, all are all a function of how the yeast grows um, in a you know, particular batch. And if you can keep that consistent um, batch to batch, then you'll have you know consistent beer. So that's one one take home on the on the whole yeast thing. You'll um, have consistent beer. Will you have good beer? Um, that, that is another nuance. That's a good point that you bring up. Um, you can have it consistently bad. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I've known people, uh, you know, they can, can manage to pull that off. Um, and then you, or you can have it consistently good. Um, and that's really, that's where temperature enters into this. Uh, temperature is your, your biggest factor in, uh, controlling your fermentation. Uh-huh. But going back to the yeast a minute. Um, you know the way we the way we manage yeast, um, we provide them with oxygen at the beginning of fermentation. Uh-huh. Yeast need oxygen to uh, build up their their cell wall membranes, and uh, that gives them um, it, the the cell membrane is what allows them to transport um, nutrients into the cell and waste products out of the cell. If the membrane is not healthy, then it becomes less permeable, and the yeast cell ends up dying. And when it dies, it ruptures and spills its guts into the beer, and that's called autolysis. Well, you know, I will say, uh, you know, one thing. I think that, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that new homebrewers tend to worry about, I see this wide array of yeast strains available. And, you know, they see all this White Labs yeast, or they see all this white yeast and all these, you know, some dry yeast and things. And they're like, oh, you know, look at all these yeasts, what I use. And they'll, you know, they'll they'll be concerned that either the people at the homebrew shop are getting the right yeast or not. I would go with oh, the yeah. recommendations of your, your homebrew shop. Because if they're, they're setting you up with a, you know, I want to brew a red ale, they'll talk to you and they'll, they'll suggest a yeast for you. And that's going to be fine. The you know choosing the strain of yeast, you can choose just about any strain of yeast, and they will all are capable of making great beer. Yeah, the that's right. Issue here that we're talking about is really not which yeast, but you know uh, how, how to treat, treat the, the yeast. yeast. You know how much yeast, how you treat the yeast, things like that. That's your your fundamental of uh, you know good brewing and and working with uh, homebrew. Very good point. Yeah, um, I guess. Let me think. Um, the going back to the um, the nutrients. I mean, you've got oxygen. Uh-huh. You've also got what we call free amino nitrogen or FAN, uh-huh. and those are very you know they're ele- uh, elemental building blocks of proteins. The yeast take in free amino, free amino nitrogen. And use these uh, compounds for synthesizing sterols that build up this, the uh, membrane, um, provide um, nutrients in the uh, 
the reactions, the biochemical reactions they use to ferment uh, the sugars in, in the wort, and uh, make the, and then uh, that's the energy that they use to reproduce. Um, and one of the byproducts of all that is uh, our compounds such as acetaldehyde or acetaldehyde, as I always say. Um, the that's a precursor on the path to alcohol. Um, other compounds um, such as acetohydroxy acids; those are precursors to diacetyl, um, which is not you know in and of itself is is not made by the yeast. They make the acetohydroxy acids, but diacetyl is an oxidation product of those uh, acids, and that is a buttery flavor that you can get in your beer. Later on in fermentation, the yeast will uh, reabsorb that diacetyl and uh, take it take it out of the uh, out of the beer. But if you don't give them the right conditions, um, it'll stick around and it'll kind of be an off flavor. Um, well, what's what the fundamentals that that you know a homebrewer needs to know? You know, so I'm not sure they need to know all of what you just said in the past yes, couple of minutes. True. I think you're it's going true. a little overboard here, buddy. <laughs> I think, you know, Getting what's excited. what's the takeaway for the new brewer? What should they be focusing on? Because, you know, honestly, a lot of this information gets out there and people become, you know, they're, they're you know, struck with panic over trying to brew their first batch. They're yeah. struck with panic trying to brew their second and third batch, worrying about all these little things. And really, what do they need to know? All right, so they need to know that, you know, proper sanitizing involves, you know, cleaning properly with, the you know, with a, a separate cleaning product, rinsing, yeah. and then sanitizing with proper measured amounts. Now, on the yeast, they've, they've made their wort. And really, the reason we don't talk too much about wort production is because... Really, you can do it almost any general way, and <laughs> it's going to yeah. turn out fine. And then, um, you know, yeast, you can select almost any yeast, any, you know, brand name yeast, and you're going to be okay. You know, use what your homebrew right. shop recommends. But how should they treat that yeast? What what do they need to be doing? If it's dry yeast, they should be rehydrating. Right. If it's liquid yeast, they should be, you know, tr- you know, carefully transporting that, that product so it's transported cool. You know, not right. frozen, not stored warm. Yeah, and, don't leave it in the car in, right, the, right. in the afternoon. And, um, um, you know, a little bit of nutrients, maybe. Um, we were talking about that. You know, oxygen, yeah. aeration. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you recommend there, as, as, you know, for a new brewer? For a new brewer, um, the tried and true method is uh, shaking the carboy or the, the fermenter. Um, mm-hmm. Or splashing, you know. Basically, when you've when you've made your wort, you've cooled it, you've put it in the fermenter. Uh, get a spoon or something, and uh, you know, stir the wort, splash it around, get you know, work it. some air into the surface of it. I think it was Greg uh, Doss at Y Yeast showed right. that you know by shaking the carboy for fifteen minutes or whatever it was, thirty minutes, you got just about the same amount of oxygen as you would with an air stone. Right, yeah. In in a in in wort like that, you're you sweat a lot gonna, more, but yeah, you're going to get about eight parts per million of oxygen, mm-hmm. which is the bare minimum that the yeast need. Good for for um, most ales. Yeah, 
Uh, and uh, not good for loggers. Right. You need more. Um, the headspace that you have in your fermenter is, um, a li- you know, even after the you put the lid on and the yeast start fermenting, they're going to get more oxygen from that headspace as well. Um, so mm-hmm. that's one consideration. But it, you know, had to have some a decent amount of headspace in your fermenter uh-huh. uh, as well. Right. Never fill a fermenter all the way to the top. Yeah, one thing room for yeah for when the when you ferment the yeast are gonna uh, come to the top and you're gonna get a, a big mess so uh, that and you can also get more a little more air in there and uh, that's helpful for the the yeast as well. But now, the the factor you're leading up to is pitching rate. Sure, I was right. gonna talk about nutrient, but uh, yeah, pitching okay. rate. <laughs> I like to throw in uh, a little bit of nutrients in in every brew I do. And I think it's really more important if you're going to reuse the yeast later on. But I think, especially in bigger beers, uh, a little bit of yeast nutrient is not a not a bad idea. Helps with the growth, improves the health of the yeast uh, once they've grown. Uh, you know, and I I think that that uh, you know it's a cheap little extra bit of insurance. And uh, you know, most of the what what kind of nutrients did you use? Um, you know, I, I did the servo, I did, uh, you know, uh, a couple others, uh, a nutrient with zinc in it, I think is just the important thing. Okay. Uh, right now we use one from, uh, Gussamer Enterprises that's, uh, they pelletize it and we use that and it's got zinc in it and works really well. Okay. Zinc is an important yeast nutrient. It, uh, mm-hmm. it's an important enzyme cofactor in their growth cycle, but really you don't want to use too much the, zinc, uh, otherwise they go nuts important for the uh, cell cell membranes as well uh so uh you were going to talk about pitching rate now yeah what what should people be doing what's what's the the fundamentals here okay well fundamental is that today's uh liquid yeast packets whether it's a pouch or tube are generally intended uh for a five gallon batch of 1040 or 10 plato worked there's uh, generally about 100 billion cells in each of those packets, and that is sufficient to ferment about five gallons of 1040 wort. If you're going to brew, you know, larger volume or stronger beer, then you should increase the amount of yeast you're pitching. Maybe it'll be two packets or tubes. Uh, maybe it'll be one and a half. Maybe you'll need to build you know in the case of a liquid yeast uh, tube you'll want to make a starter and you know increase the uh, the yeast count that way Uh, a lot of different methods and i don't know if we want to how deep we want to go into that here jameel but um, Mm. the important but going back to the to the earlier premise is that uh, the consistency with which you ferment your beer um, is a big help um so if you're going to use one tube of yeast for this for this recipe, then you should do it that way the next time. If you because if you change it, you've made a different beer. Unless unless it doesn't turn out well, and then you yeah, might try. Yes, unless it doesn't turn out well. I mean, you know, look into how much yeast, and and that's one of the things I think. Um, you know, you can. It's very hard to put in too much yeast. So if you're unsure, I would err towards you know doubling up versus you know not 
if you think you might need another tube or a packet of yeast, you know, go that route. Yeah. I think, uh, and, and again, you know, let your homebrew shop be a guide. Uh, mm-hmm. Ask them what their experience is because most of those people, they've, they've been brewing for a long time and they'll have some ideas or, you know, go to an online forum, go to the Brewing Network forum and, and you can ask there to say, hey, I'm brewing this, how much yeast, um, you know, it's a, a good place for, for advice. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm, I think... I'm, uh-huh. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, you know, another place you can go, you know, the the people, yeah. uh, we've got a new sponsor, homebrewstuff.com. Uh, you know, they're also, I mentioned the AHA, they're a proud sponsor of the AHA as well. They've got a storefront in Boise. It's a 8,000 wow. square foot store. And, wow. uh, you know, a beautiful place, I'm told. I've never been there myself. But uh, if you're remote, they've got seven ninety five shipping on uh, most domestic orders. And, uh, you know, they're passionate about homebrewing. And, and that kind of place, you know, when you go, uh, you know, you're getting advice from people that are, you know, passionate about the hobby. Uh, you know, uh, here's an owner, Marcus, he's, he's a BJCP member. He knows, you know, a lot about, uh, judging beer and, uh, you know, he's going to give you that kind of feedback. And so, you know, you can, you can ask some questions about, Hey, what's my, uh, you know, I don't want to brew this. What, what, uh, you know, pitching rate do I need? Or, you know, how much yeast do I need? Or what, you know, things like questions like that are great, uh, for your, your local homebrew shop. And, uh, I think, you know, being able to ask questions of them, uh, fantastic. And uh, this new sponsor, I think, uh, you know, those people in Boise and, and people who are shopping with them online at homebrewstuff.com, uh, I think, uh, you know, they they can ask the same kinds of questions as well. Sounds good. Absolutely. Now, let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up about yeast and we'll get into temperature of fermentation, how important that is, right after this. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. BN Army Hop Tech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. Hop Tech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of holy pops. And Hop Tech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? 
pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeve shirts, games, and more. Hoptech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit hoptech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. Hoptech.com. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore, we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power! Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones, no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is on. 
Boston Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit AustinHomebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit AustinHomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, AustinHomebrew.com. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, Palmer's three fundamentals for your first brew day. Yep, and we've talked about sanitation and yeast. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to take a stab at temperature. We're going to stab temperature. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Stab away. You know, these, the temperature has a you know profound effect on the yeast. Um, if you get the yeast too cold, they stop fermenting. If you get them too hot, they die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, or if that's if they go really hot. But even uh, five degrees too warm off the recommended fermentation temperature can um, really impact your beer, uh, producing a lot of off flavors. Um, and so for your ale yeast, um, tip, typical temperature range is 65 to 70 degrees. Uh, you don't want, really want to go above 70. Um, 75 would be too warm. That's in Fahrenheit, of course. Um, Jamil, tell everybody what that is in Celsius, why don't you? Well, I wasn't paying attention. 68 is about 20. And 70-something yeah. uh, is 70 how much? Well, 75 would be a little 75? too warm, wouldn't you say? Uh, and yeah. And that would be you know. 23? Uh, yeah, about. Yeah, I think 23. 23, 24. Yeah, in there. So. Uh, right. So I would I would, uh, I would, would say that, uh, you know, and it depends on the yeast. I mean, if you're doing a Belgian or something like that, but, you know, if you're starting with a good old American, you know, ale of some kind. Mm-hmm. Or an British English ale, or some, some kind. Uh, most ales, you're you're in that range, you know, sixty five to seventy two. Uh, and <clears throat> I think the the most important thing for me that you know I learned fairly early on, I think, is one of the fundamental things that I try and impart to people is your temperature should always be rising or held steady. And okay, yeah. when when you don't have controlled temperature or when you just leave it to, you know, you put it in a room where it gets to be 85, 90 during the day, and then it's, you know, 45 at night, you're going to make beer, but it's not going to be anywhere near as good as it could be. You're really, you're hurting yourself horribly. It's one of the, you know, the worst things you can do. For, you know, besides ignoring sanitation and your yeast, this is this is a, a major sin. You know, what you want to do is, you know, start out cooler and then, you know, let it rise through the course of fermentation towards the end of the week. I think that really produces, you know, your generally your best beer. 
uh, regardless of what temperature you start at. But uh, you know, allowing the temperature to be uncontrolled, I think, is is not so good. You want to at least find an area of your home that is very steady in temperature, and uh, right. I think that that's one of the best things you can do. Yeah, in the yeast book that you put out with Chris, um, you see, I know it says that uh, consistency or temperature control and consistency is most important in the first seventy-two hours of the fermentation. So during that point of time, or the, that first 72 hours, you'd want to have the fermentation temperature as steady as possible, and then you could let it free rise after that, right? Right. I mean, you can let it rise earlier than that. I think uh, you, you don't want it to drop you know, if you can avoid it. Right. Fluctuation, it produces a lot of stress on the yeast. Right. And especially when it's early on, when, it's, when the yeast growth is happening, a lot of the nutrient take up and things like that. You know, once it's kind of chugging along, when it's really active, if it drops a degree or two or goes up a degree or two and it's in, in that range, you know, the yeast will be okay. They'll, they'll make do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, towards the end, um, when they're not generating as much heat and they're not as wildly active, you know, the temperature, if it drops a few degrees, you can the yeast can start to shut down a little early. And then, you know, they're not cleaning up after themselves. They're not fully fermenting out the beer things like that so that's that's yeah. really what worries me about you know temperature control yeah is, is avoiding that early shutdown yeah because mm-hmm. then you end up with more uh, byproducts in the in the in the, in the beer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. okay um yeah some of the other um things you can get as a result of you know the fermentation being in general too warm are uh, more phenolics, um, more fusel alcohols. Uh, for those of you that don't, don't know, a phenolic it is uh, kind of a medicine-y flavor or like, um, uh, trying to think of a candy that has a phenolic note. Licorice. Um, plastic. Is plastic, um, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, there are only some yeasts that are have the, uh, the phenolic uh, positive uh, gene. And right. those are the ones that will produce the phenols as, as it gets warmer generally. They'll produce more phenols. But the, the ones that don't have the phenolic uh, production capability, generally those won't, won't be phenolic. Uh, but you will get you know, certain esters, and you can get some harsh uh, characteristics out of those. Yeah. And the fusel alcohols tend to be more solventy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than rather than instead of having a clean beer smell, you'll have kind of a sharp... Right. Uh, highly aromatic solvent kind of smell mm-hmm. to the beer. Well, and you know, I, I was thinking about this just the other day. It's, it's kind of uncontrolled fermentation. You know, it's really that which I associate with homebrew now. You know, yeah. you know yeah. how people say, "Oh, you know, there's it's got that homebrew flavor," and you know, people equate that to extract, which I don't think is true. I think that's false. Uh, people right. equate it to the use of any sort of amount of sugar which I think is false. People equate it to, you know, all sorts of certain things. Yeah. And for me, it's uncontrolled fermentation temperatures. That's one of the things that, you know, professional breweries control, you know, very tightly is fermentation temperature. They have, you know, specific reasons for the temperature of fermentation. And it's really the biggest difference, I think, between homebrew and professional brewing is temperature control of fermentation. And yeah. that uncontrolled fermentation thing... I mean, I can taste it in a beer. I'm like, eh, 
Yeah, they didn't really control fermentation temperature. Boy, it tastes very... And that would be the, you know, the ding I give to, to most homebrew. Interesting. Um, now, of course, in, at, at the professional level, you're using, you know, uh, jacketed fermenters. Um, how are you controlling the the temperature of the fermentation when it's in these in these large conicals? Are you keeping it, you know, at at plus or minus one degree for the first X days and then letting it free rise, or how do you typically do it now? Yeah, generally we'll we'll dial in a, a specific temperature to start right around sixty seven degrees Fahrenheit, and then uh, or sixty six sixty sixty seven Fahrenheit. And then we will, you know, hold that for the first couple of days, and then uh, we'll go ahead and bump that up to, you know, maybe seventy, and okay. let it free rise up to there, and kind of hold it there. Okay. Let it finish out and then, as the yeast activity slows down, um, or do you? We have no way you, of heating it. Okay, and you. Uh, so it's just a matter of, at that point, you hope that the temperature of the right. fermentation is. Is the the tanks 70, are 72? yeah the tanks are well insulated so mm-hmm. that helps a lot uh, because you know, if it gets cold in the building overnight it tends not to suppress the fermenter temperature because there's a large volume of liquid yeah. and it's ins- well insulated so the the trick is to anticipate before the yeast are going to slow down bump the temperature up so they can generate enough heat to warm up the the beer itself. To the temperature you want to sit at, and then, and then you know, not chill it below that, and so it kind of sits at that temperature, uh, just okay. because it's yeah. well insulated and there's enough metabolic activity to just keep that heat up. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how you do it. Okay, sounds good. All righty. Well, and you know what else sounds good? A giant dildo from AdamandEve.com. <laughs> <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth, Jamil. I tell you, took it right out of your mouth. Absolutely. Uh, for a limited time only, you go to adamandeve.com, and you can uh, use the offer code. Uh, it's Jamel. Yeah, for this one. J-A-M-I-L. Yeah, I, I wasn't familiar with the offer code. Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. Use my name at adamandeve.com, and what you're going to get is 50% off just about any one item. You get, uh, uh, you know, free shipping. You get a free extra essential gift that uh, we can't mention on the air. And you get to choose three free adult DVDs. And you, you're not just getting, you know, the, the, the goat fucker DVDs that are sitting in the bottom of the barrel. You're going to get to choose from genres such as anal, amateur, Asian, big breasts, big butts, bisexual, chunky, coeds, fetish, gay, interactive, POV, lesbian, milfs, etc. And you can even do all this from your mobile phone. You go to adamandeve.com, mobile phone, you get uh, get the giant dildo, you get the 50% off of that, you get free shipping, you get a free extra gift, you choose your three free DVDs, all by using the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. Check them out today. All right, Scott, do we have any uh, people in the chat or anything like that uh, asking questions? Or I think we did not get a uh, an announcement about this show happening <laughs> show. by our, our social media manager. There we go. So, uh, oh, well. Today. So not today. Good, because we're out of time. It was a fine, fun show. But, 
if you're listening live, which you're not, uh, <laughs> stay, stay tuned, tuned for the more. next episode. If you're if you're listening to the archives, it's going to be about two weeks. Check out the Brewing Network store. There's a lot of goodies in there. Hats, shirts, glassware, all sorts of goodies and books. They all go to the bottom line of the Brewing Network. And uh, check out the BYO subscription, too. You can subscribe to Brew Your Own Magazine. And when you do, 50% goes back to the Brewing Network. Helps keep shows like this on the air. Don't forget our great sponsor, BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two N's. Innovating your homebrew. Till then, brew strong. Brew strong, everybody. 